This is What's the Buzz with Andrew Burkle. Yo. Check. Feeling dopamine deficient, mulling these decisions. Gotta be persistent if I want people to listen to the knowledge that I'm kicking. I know I could do it different. Rather keep my eyes locked on the truest vision, yeah. To hell with month long, right is black. I know my friends wondering, is he alright or not? Make it count in the remaining amount of time I got, but find myself running out of time. What's up, everybody? What's the buzz is back. I am Andrew Burkle, and we are just days away from the return of Friday Night Lights. We've got a loaded football show for you today. Football assistant Chad O'Brien answering all kinds of questions about this Celine football team. If you want to be ready for the season, this is the show for you. We even have head coach Joe Polka briefly talking about their recent scrimmage with Birmingham's Grove. That is courtesy of Tran Longmore. He was there covering their scrimmage. Speaking of Tran Longmore, this episode is brought to you, as always, by... The Celine Post. How do you like that for a transition? Make sure you visit thecelinepost.com where there is a constant stream of excellent community coverage. Right now on the site, you can find all kinds of great stories, including trans recap of the as before mentioned scrimmage with Birmingham Grove. That includes photos from the game. If you're looking for something specific, you can find the six main topics of government, police and fire, schools, sports, community, and obituaries in the top left corner. And don't forget, this podcast can also be found on the Celine Post website. So make sure to listen to the podcast on the website as well to support local journalism and the hard work of Tran Longmore. All right, so we have Celine football assistant Chad O'Brien coming up in just a second. But first, I wanted to let you guys hear Tran's interview with Coach Polka. He gives a little bit of a recap from their scrimmage with Birmingham Groves and then some more general information about the team. Polka, after a scrimmage today with uh, Groves, uh, what do you think of the way you guys looked? I thought it would be, I thought it's fairly typical to how we look every year at this, at this time. You know, I mean, there's some real positive things on tape and there's some things that we got to clean up if we're, we're going to be competitive. Were there elements of the game that you were pretty pleased with? Yeah, I think that um, you know, I think that we came off the ball as an offensive line, and we've struggled during camp to move the ball on our defense, frankly. So it was good to see us have a little bit of life in the run game there and, and play fairly physical. I also thought we were productive on offense. We didn't get a lot of plays, but we were able to, to you know accumulate some yards, and that's a positive sign. The other positive is you know defense bent a little bit on some plays where you know there were there were uh, uh, throws to the flat, but we did that intentionally. You know, we're really playing one coverage during camp just to test our guys and I was proud of how the defense bowed up at the end. That was real positive. Yeah, during the earlier drills, the defense looked like it was struggling a little bit, uh, and then they you know, they came up with that stand. I know it's not there's no score clock no, up there, right. but you guys are up 14 internal, to 7, yeah. everybody knows, and right. you came up with that stand inside the 10. So that, They're that, all competitors, and I think that was a big deal, you know, to, to get that stop there. And like I said, we bent but didn't break. And a lot of the things that I saw were, you know, throws to the flat or maybe a deep throw. Um, I would be more concerned if we were getting gashed on the run, you know. So I think our physicality is going to be there, but like we said to the team afterwards, we do have to get mentally tougher and respond more or better to, to negative situations as they happen in the game. So that'll be a learning point for next week at camp. Where are some areas or some players who you who have surprised you so far this year in terms of? Uh, 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 well, you know, Cade Gillis at running back has been a pleasant surprise. You know, he's not there yet, um, but. 
he plays hard, he plays physical, and, and he doesn't always hit the hole yet, but that's a product of not playing him last year. So I've been pleasantly surprised with him. Um, you know, I think that Colton Malzak has really stepped up and been what we thought he was going to be. From a surprise standpoint also, I think that Henry Keenan, you know, on the Big defensive guy. line, yeah, yeah, has been a pleasant surprise. He started to really come on late last year, um, but has really stepped up, you know, this year. So I would say, you know, those are some of the guys that I would single out, you know, early. Uh, Nick Pateri, frankly, you know, is a guy that was out all last year and, and is probably not a natural receiver, but it's done a nice job. He's been consistent catching the ball, and he had a big block today on, on Greenwood's touchdown. So those are some of the guys that I think are, are kind of of surprising us and stepping up a little bit. So what's the, a, lot, a lot of work to do be, between now and next week? Uh, yeah, you know, no, no question. I mean, the, the, the plan is to try to get to get better at the little things, probably simplify what we do, you know, especially with young quarterbacks, and just hone in on what we do well and really t and try to rep that as much as we can. The problem with Chip Valley is you got to be almost you got to be playing playoff football to beat a team like that right now. You don't have yeah. a lot of time to get ready. So it's going to be a big challenge. And uh, the quarterbacks you mentioned, how are they looking so far? They, you know, they're both, uh, they're both, I think, looking good through camp. I see them making progress. You still see a lot of the ups and downs of young quarterbacks where they're going to make mistakes but then show flashes of really making some good plays. So it's just with them, it's just going to be an experience factor is really what it comes down to. There's no easy way out of that. All right. Thanks a lot, Joe. Okay. No problem. All right. Thanks again to Tran, and now let's get to my interview with Chad O'Brien. Hey, everybody. I'm here at uh, Celine High School in the athletic office with uh, Celine football assistant coach and wrestling coach Chad O'Brien. Uh, how you doing today? Good, good. What's uh, what, was your, what was your day like so far to this point? You had practice, you said? Yeah, so this morning we started with film uh, from the Grove scrimmage yesterday and yep. kind of broke some of that down. And then uh, just a quick practice, kind of some game situations for our, you know, our kids to get used to. Team picture and then uh, heading in here. Uh, what what was the scrimmage like yesterday? How did you guys do? What was the takeaway? Um, it was good. I mean, number one, we got out of there healthy, which is always your number one goal. You know, you don't want to lose anybody at that time of year. And, you know, for the most part, I thought the kids handled it well. Groves is always going to be a talented team. You know, to come down, it's always a true test to kind of where we are. And, by, you know, by that point in time, you've been in camp for nine days. So, really, the kids, I mean, they want to see somebody else. They don't want to keep going against the same person, you mm -hmm. know. So, um, but I thought, yeah, overall, I thought they handled it pretty well. What's your mindset in those scrimmages as far as, uh, is it like the NFL preseason where it's very vanilla, you're just trying to get going through the motions, or is it more like, hey, let's test out some things here? Um, it's a little bit of both, you know, um, especially in that scrimmage, just because uh, we've done it with girls for so many years, you know. And so um, it's pretty controlled situationally, so we know kind of what's going on. And you want to be able to run your base, but you also want to see, hey, does this work, you know, um, on other teams. We'll get into wrestling in a little bit, but obviously right now we're in the home stretch of the football offseason. What have you seen from this team this offseason, and what has you excited about this group? Um, it's just it's a really good group of kids, you know, overall. Um, I think we're dispersed pretty well from seniors on down. You know, we don't have any one class that's a lot bigger or a lot smaller than the rest. So I think that um, disbursement helps. You know, this senior group has been together a long time. You know, so we've had them um, – I've had them in wrestling too a lot, and so I know that group of kids really well. And um, inside, you know, in school, outside of school, uh, they're a pretty close group. So it's good to see that. How does that help coaching the kids in, a, in another sport? Does it give you a different aspect or different uh, point of view that you wouldn't have otherwise? Yeah, I mean, it helps you know um, more about the the kid themselves rather than just a couple hours a day at practice. You know, um, I think that's been pretty good. 
um, toughness wise and things like that. You know, when we're looking at a kid, you're like, oh yeah, he did this. He's able to do that. Just because you see him for, you know, over half the year, you're with those kids. This is kind of a different question, but what di- uh, differentiates a good group and a not so good group? It might not be a bad group, but what is the difference between, you know, hey, this, this is a rock solid group? Yeah, I think the biggest thing there is, you know, you're always going to have these little cliques of people that are better friends, you know, but I don't see any um, like separation with those cliques. They all accept uh, the other, you know, you're always going to have little groups everywhere you go, right? Mm-hmm. But they're, uh, more accepting of those groups are not as divided as maybe another group. And you're seeing that a lot with this, this group. It's, yeah. it's a very team united group. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really see a lot of separation between all the groups. So obviously the one position that everyone wants to know about in football is the quarterback. Is that, as far as I've know, it's two guys coming in with uh, Anthony Ferrari and Larry. Is that still how it's shaken out? And has there been a leader in the clubhouse in that group or is it looking like it might be a split rep situation? Um, I mean, it's early to tell that. They both played well in the scrimmage yesterday. Um, they both have had a really good camp, you know, coming through, um, you know, making plays. They're both young, so they're both still learning, uh, you know, in that situation. Um, we're not, you know, tomorrow we'll have another scrimmage with Wayne Memorial, and I think there you can have, you know, more competition and kind of see who's going to um, rise out. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know the answer to that right now just because it's it's early enough that they're still – they're both very competitive and they're both doing very well, which is a good problem to have. I know last year they weren't both – neither of them were the full-time starters, but they both got game reps. How much does that help going into the next season, especially in high school where it's, you know, you're always rotating to get those guys any reps? Is that a really big advantage? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest advantages we have is they know how we practice now, you know. Um, we practice fast. We practice – Um, moving from station to station you know and that's probably one of the biggest adjustments for kids when they come up from freshman to their sophomore year is understanding the pace at which we move and getting to where they need to be when they need to get there you know so them having that experience last year I think um, you know they know how to practice they know what we expect from them so it's more so you take it more away from the practices just as much as the game when they're in that situation in the Friday Night Lights you think it's just as valuable as that game reps yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just understanding what you need to do. Our practices are pretty high tempo. Um, you know, they're we put them in some tough situations, you know. When it comes to games, I mean, reality it may move a little faster the higher the level you go, but at the end of the day, you're competing, you know. So whether they're playing freshman ball and competing in a game, they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves in that situation. Or, you know, they're playing um, some reps in the varsity game. You know, I just think – understanding the way that we do things makes a huge difference you know we got coaches that join our staff who after the first day they're like wow I didn't know that that's how you know they have to adjust you know um, luckily for me I was with Joe before we came here and so I knew what his practice expectation I knew what the pace was so it wasn't that big of a deal but um, for the kids and for new coaches it is it's a big difference how do you balance that high tempo let's get things done in and out type mentality versus teaching the kids and actually having it sink in right um we do a lot of on the board work and we do a lot of film study um probably more than any other high school i've ever been at you know um probably similar to uh when i was at adrian college we are on the board and on the film as much as we were when i was there you know so i would think that um just that right there is your real teaching time 
So yeah. you have, you teach it in the video board so that they can be ready for that high high tempo uh, practice. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then you got in you know your individual time where you really work with them on the skills, and then when we come together, it should be put together at that time. There were some uh, big departures from last year's squad that made it to the state semifinals. Uh, it's high school, so it's kind of like the nature of the beast. Right. But I mean, you're losing Brendan Murphy, Brendan Monday, uh, Andrew Arbaugh, MJ Griffin, just to name a few. So what are some of the biggest positional holes from last year's team that you guys are working still to try to fill, and uh, how is that coming along? Right. I mean, I think when you're trying to fill any position, anybody that graduates, it's tough, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, anytime you lose a kid, um, you know, and like Murph was a three-year kid for us. Monday was a three-year kid for us. So anytime you lose one of those guys, you're going to have to try to find somebody, you know. And I guess the the biggest thing is you don't want to try to take the new uh, person or the new kid in that role and make them do the same thing that like what Murph used to do because he's not, you know, and we didn't expect Murph to be like Bryce because he's not. So it's just getting to know the kids and what they do well and then utilizing their skill set. So you, you'll look different from year to year. Does that go on into the season sometimes even week two, week three, you're still trying to figure out how is the best way we can use this kid or is there something or is the camp kind of when you're figuring that out? For the um, I think you start in camp, but I think it goes into the season. I mean, if you look at um, MJ's touches last year, um, at the beginning of the year, a lot of them were from the backfield. And then as we moved on and progressed throughout the year, a lot of them were at our at a receiver spot. So you're still figuring out, hey, this guy can, can do it out there on the edge also. Who's been stepping up into some of the leadership roles so far? We just were talking about some of the guys who left. Who's been uh, stepping up into some of the leadership roles? Um, you know, on the offensive line, you got, uh, you know, three kids that are back that have played a ton there. Um, you know, Lance Blazak's done a really good job there. Carter St. Lawrence has done a good job leading those kids. And, um, you know, Kyler Blake Jones is only a junior, but he started every game last year. So they've really been kind of leading um, in that area, you know, on the offensive line. Um, in the backfield, we got Cade Gillis back, and uh, he's done a great job. He's been a great addition of making sure people are where they need to be when they need to be there you know, and uh, doing some of those things, you know, out there. Um, you know, when you start going out of the receiver spot, you bring Colton Melanzac back, who uh, had a good year for us last year. And same thing, you know, just kind of uh, bringing the rest of the players along so they know, you know, where they need to be, when they need to be there. Are there any fast risers or some guys who are maybe a little bit under the radar coming into this year who have been like, holy crap, they're stepping it up or they had a great offseason? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Cade Gillis is a big addition back. You know, he didn't play last year. And so to have him back is a, um, a kid you're like, okay, yeah, this kid can do it. You know, they're doing a great job. Um, you know, and some of the kids, you know what they can do, right, because they were there. So you get some new kids in there um, that you're like, oh, well, this guy's, this guy's got some ability. You know, Evan Schunk on the offensive line um, has been a great, you know, a great addition there, um, really kind of doing anything you need him to do whenever you need him to do it. Um, you know, Mark Harden has been um, awesome. You know, Scoop has been – a huge addition um, just asking him to do lots of things and he's able to do them all which is which is good the core of any football team is the offensive and defensive lines and those guys can go pretty unnoticed sometimes but they can they're also usually the backbone of the team how are you guys looking in the trenches and anybody really sticking out on defense or offense yeah I mean I think our defensive line is very talented um, which makes us better offensively you know because we really have to be able to battle with those guys every day um, you know Henry Conan uh, Brett Baldus, Josh Brandon, and Zach Saban, um, all four of those guys on the D-line are uh, legit defensive players, you know. So battling with them all day, you know, every day has really kind of brought our offensive line 
And that, that kind of showed yesterday with Groves. You know, we were able to handle some of their stunts. We were able to handle um, their movement because we see it, you know, um, against them. And the better your O-line is, the better your D-line will be and, and vice versa. So I think it's great that you have that competition always going on. How much has does a scheme change for you guys year in and year out based on quarterback, based on running back, based on wide receiver? Obviously, you're running somewhat of a spread offense. You know, how often does it change? Is it more of a play – plays are changing or is it more like hey we're gonna have to mix up the scheme a little bit based on this group um I think it's more of really uh more about touches and, and who's touching the ball you know if you look last year we ran a lot more than we have in the past um probably more than any year that I've ever been with Joe we probably ran more last year and then um you know we got the ball in the perimeter quickly you know a lot of uh, things out there um I think our touches this year are going to come more um from the inside you know and we'll be able to run the ball. So it's not necessarily a schematics thing. I think it's just where the ball is being distributed a little bit more. Who are going to be some of the playmakers for this team on the offense and defensive side? Um, you know, Melanzac was a good player for us last year. He'll be back, Colton Melanzac. Um, we'll touch it there. Um, Cade Gillis is having a great camp, like I said. You know, we'll see what shakes out at quarterback, but both those kids are playmakers, you know, there. Um, defensively, you bring back that whole D line that I mentioned. Um, obviously, you bring back Mo at linebacker. Um, who's just, you know, just watching him yesterday is fun because when we're on defense, I'm not, you know, have to worry about too much, especially in a scrimmage. So just getting to watch him run around and make plays um, was enjoyable. You know, Cal Greenwood's a good football player. Um, just having him out there at safety has made a big difference for us. Coach Polka is more of an offensive background from what I can understand. How do you get, how does Celine have such a strong defense year in and year out when uh, when offense is kind of his main philosophy? Right. Um, our defense staff's good. You know, Coach Wilson has been, you know, in the college ranks for years at Ferris State. And so schematically, um, he's very, very solid. And he does a great job communicating to the kids what's expected. You know, I think that's big. And um, those are, you know, those are good kids. There's a lot of pride um, to play defense. And so I think that alone really stirs those kids to make sure that they're doing things right. Who are some of the teams in the SEC to watch out for this season? Yeah. And uh, statewide, I know you guys opened with Chippewa Valley, correct? Yep. Uh, who else is going to be players in the state statewide picture? Right. So, um, I mean, we only play one SEC white team. They got – and over there, they probably got more parity, realistically. You know, um, Dexter, Lincoln, Jackson – um, all those guys are, are pretty solid, you know, so they're going to, and Chelsea, obviously. So they're going to have some parity over there. Um, on our side, you know, um, in the red, you got the big three, always Celine, Monroe, Bedford. Um, and then, you know, the Ann Arbor schools are, are getting better, trying to get it together. But, um, you know, you always got to get through Monroe and Bedford. I think that's going to be our road every year, you know, to the, to the SEC red. And then, um, you know, statewide, Chip Valley is obviously returning state champs. Um, and we'll play Grand Blank the last game of the year. And they got some kids too, you know, so week nine, um, you know, that'll be there. And then you're always going to have your staple, right? You're always going to have your Clarkston. You're always going to have Rockford, um, you know, those schools that are able to um, produce, you know, year in and year out. Um, one thing that I don't know if a lot of people realize is, you know, when you start talking about those schools, Rockford is 26, 2,800 kids. Clarkston's 2,600 kids. Um, you know, Chip Valley's up there. Um, so, I mean, they just have a huge pool of, of students to pull from, you know, whereas we sit here at 1,800 kids. So it's, it's pretty nice to be in the boat with those types of schools. Uh, not to say that the regular season is easy, but for the most part, you guys have had some blow, fair amount of blowout wins over the last few right. years. How do you keep the team fresh and ready for those close games when maybe 
playoff time comes, they've only had one or two tests the whole regular season. Right, and I think, you know, Joe does a great job. Coach Polka does a great job of making sure the kids understand, hey, this week um, practice might be harder than the game. And, you know, and you just put those kids in a situation where they're always under the pressure, they're always under the gun. So when the lights come on, you know, Friday night, it's not a major adjustment. You know, in some cases they're probably like, this is easier in practice, you know. Um, I think we do that with competition amongst ourselves, you know, between the offense and the defense. And, and Coach Polka does a great job of making sure they understand what the expectation is. Very cool. All right, let's shift gears a little bit here. So I mentioned earlier that you don't just coach football, you also coach wrestling. How much crossover is there between the two sports, and what do you like about coaching wrestling that football doesn't have? Right, so um, I'm actually the head coach in wrestling, so I have a little more responsibility there. Um, Scotty Marvin is my assistant who used to be the head coach, which is great. And um, I actually now, we just hired another guy. So now out of my five-man staff, um, four of us have head coaching experience. So it's nice to have these guys who've been former head coaches there to help me out. Um, you know, And then it's just realistically the biggest difference for me in wrestling is that, is the organizational stuff that that Coach Polk has to deal with that I don't deal with in football. You know, in football, I can just coach football. Mm-hmm. In wrestling, there's all the schedule and the bus and the, all the stuff that I don't, you know. So it's a little bit more um, administrative, you know. I do enjoy coaching wrestling because it's just, um, it's more personal. You know, it's obviously a much smaller group. Mm-hmm. And you're in the room with those guys all the time. Um, we've went to Penn State the last couple of years, so you're spending four or five days with them. Um, it's just a more... Uh, physical sport where you're just always together with those people Mm -hmm. making weight is something that almost no other sport has how do you deal with that with high school students where you know they're also going to school they got uh lunches and they're like there you know you're not always being able to monitor them how is that one of the parts of the job that like you have to deal with so i'd say in the last five to ten years that's changed drastically you know there are state requirements now where they can only go to a certain weight class based on their body fat Um, So they have to get in there. And really the approach we've taken since I've been here is um, you can wrestle in whatever weight class you want to wrestle in, and it's really on them to choose. But our biggest thing is once you make that commitment to the team, you need to stay there. If you're going to fluctuate, you need to come meet with us because it's not fair to the rest of the kids, you know. Um, But I don't tell them, you know, hey, you need to go 160. That's totally their own decision. And we don't use practice time to cut weight. If they want to try to lose a little bit, um, they need to do it on their own. You know, um, Our practices are fast, though. They're very similar to the football practices. So kids will come in and they know, hey, we're going to shed just some natural weight today. Mm-hmm. You know, And it is a fine balance. I mean, what's healthy and what's not healthy. Um, is, and that's where our sport gets a bad name, you know, is because they, you know, they think that they're cutting all this weight when in reality I would rather a kid was stronger and maybe a weight class up um, than trying to cut down, you know. Is that something that you see from other schools, though? Is that something – is it gotten better as a whole sport, or do you think you are personally getting to change your no. opinion on it? Or I think it's gotten better as a whole sport. I think nationwide it's gotten better. I think coaches are starting to understand that it's not the olden days. You can't pull those kids down, you know. And I've had um, – this is, what, the fourth school I've been head wrestling coach at, and I've had some really good kids that were able – like really good weight cutters – but they weren't very good wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And I want good wrestlers. I don't really care as much that, oh, I was able to shed four pounds a day. That's good, but you didn't wrestle well. You mm-hmm. know, I want good wrestlers. I don't want good weight cutters. 
What's the hardest part about coaching wrestling? Is it the weight cutting or is it trying to balance it or what's the hardest part? Um, I think it's that whole balance, right? Because obviously we have the element of you're in a tight, confined, hot room, um, you know, ringworm, communicable diseases, things like that. So the kids got to stay on top of their, their hygiene the whole time. Mm-hmm. Plus on top of that, they got to stay on their health, you know. And when you're getting in there and you're sweating um, three pounds of liquid out, you've got to replenish that. So managing just the whole dynamic there um, is a major thing, you know. Once they weigh in on meet day or on, like, tournament weekends and they weigh in, uh, the job's pretty easy at that point in time. Right. It's getting them there. That's really, um, you know, the issue. You're a self-described uh, history nerd on Twitter. Correct. <laughs> I also love history. Right. What's your favorite time period to study, and what do you love about the right. subject? Um, I just love that it's it's stories and that um, there's so many of them, you know. Um, I really realized that when I went um, – I taught in Florida for five years. And when I was down there, if you look at a Florida textbook of the Civil War and you look at a Michigan textbook of the Civil War, it's the same event. It's described completely differently. Wow. You know, yeah. It's it's weird. Like, when I got down there, I was like, what's going on? You know, so um, history truly is the story of whoever won, you know, because yeah. they're the ones that are recording it. So now all of a sudden it gets changed, you know. Um, I would say probably time period-wise, um, I'm definitely right now, probably these last couple years, I've kind of been like in a Civil War kick. So um, just, you know going through gathering up as much of that stuff as I can and just um, reading it. And I just love the, the, the varying viewpoints and, uh, you know, listening to all the different sides, if you will, um, to what's going on. Do you watch a lot of those History Channel documentaries? What, oh, yeah. what do you like to watch on, yeah. uh, on history? Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I'll watch any of those things. My kids are like, uh, they'll go to another room if I'm watching <laughs> it. Like, they've, they've had it. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, I love, I love any of that stuff. Usually, you know, whenever we take trips or anything, there's always some type of history thing intertwined. You know, we were coming back. We always go to Florida in the summer again. And uh, we were coming back, and we stopped at the, um, you know, all kinds of places that were historical. But um, the, Je- the Jefferson Davis capture site, like where they captured Jefferson Davis after the Civil War. And my kids were like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. come on, just get on the road, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it all depends, I guess, the – on the era, you know, I went through a kind of a uh, American Revolution era. So we went to Boston and, you know, Philly and kind of did that. So depends on what era I'm feeling at that time. You mentioned your kids not even caring about it. Right. What about the kids in class? How do you try to get them to care about it when even you right. can't even so right. necessarily get your kids to care about it sometimes? Right. So um, the biggest thing I've learned is the, the way that I learned history is not the way to teach history. <laughs> right. You mm-hmm. don't we don't lecture. Um very hands-on with them you know and the reality and I always talk to my students about this but the reality is this if you ask students where history falls in their ranking of classes right it's going to be somewhere between three and five for most kids but in reality when you think about a history movie or film that comes out you think about um, historical monuments right you think about museums these places make millions of dollars some of these films you know they're making millions of dollars so obviously people like history they don't like the way it's taught, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and my kids enjoy history. They're just tired of stopping at all these obscure places. That, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think as they know, I know when we went to Boston, um, my daughter knew a little bit about the American Revolution. She enjoyed that. You know, right. when you're stopping at the Jefferson Davis capture site that she knows nothing about, you know, I'll sit in the car and play on my phone. Yeah, that's interesting what you said about uh, people do care about history. Yeah. Like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that new Quentin Tarantino movie yeah. that came out. I mean, that's 
that's a basically kind of like a history story. I mean, there's different twists and everything, right. but like it's it's a history of Hollywood kind of. Yeah. So it's weird how history kind of takes all these different forms, right. but it gets the bad rap from class. Yeah. I mean, people people like history; they don't like the way it's taught. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, I've really kind of uh, changed that drastically over the last five years, um, and and really, I think it's helped a ton. You know, I, I have a lot of kids that come back, and you know, I have actually two students right now who are going to graduate at the end of next year um, that are going to be history teachers, very cool. former students. Very so. cool. All right. Well, I think we uh, covered a lot. So thanks, uh, thanks so much for taking the time and making this happen uh, during the crazy stretch of football here. Right. Not a problem. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Anytime.